This call is now being recorded. Hey, everybody. Uh, thanks for joining us for part two of the top ten fresh metal bands of all time. We got Dirty Mouth and Dylan here. Dirty, welcome back. Yeah. So we got the we went through numbers ten through six with a couple of additions. Uh, so we're gonna go through the top five here. Um, for, before we do this, real quick, we do like other forms of metal besides thrash metal. Uh, in fact, we were talking about before this. Like I've been dying to get an episode. We just started doing the music stuff here. I know with Ozzy Iron Maiden, top ten thrash. We're gonna do top. Maybe metal albums of all time, thrash metal albums or something. I've been dying to get something with Merciful Fate and King Diamond in an episode because I, I love them so much. They just don't fit into the thrash metal category. Also, Dirty, I've been listening to some of the 80s albums besides heavy, heavy metal. I've been listening to some of the bands, re-listening to some of the bands that I guess would be considered... Hard, more hard rock. I, I I separate them like like that. I can't stand the term hair metal because oh. <laughs> everyone everyone has long had long hair back then in metal. I mean, everyone does. It's like yeah, it, and it's kind of reductive and insulting. Like you're gonna like Dawkins called a hair metal, but you're gonna call George Lynch yeah. a hair metal guitar player. Yeah, the, dude fucking, just... the dude smokes ninety nine percent of all guitar players out there. He's gonna be reduced to a hair metal guitar player. Fuck that shit. He's a great heavy metal guitar player. Yeah. Um, so there's glam metal, like the Poison stuff, and right. and, and people that were ma- wearing makeup and stuff. There's just regular hard rock. So anyway, um, I've been re-listening to some bands like you know L.A. Guns, and right. I'm not sure if you ever heard of a band called Tora Tora um, back in uh, the '80s. Yeah, I bought their album, but uh, I mean, I, 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 yeah, they're not one of the bands I would try to re. Uh, re- you know, reestablish in my life. So to check out, I think the guitar player was was kind of a bluesy. They're from Dolans, so it's kind of a little bit of a bluesy take on hard rock. There's a lot of bands doing that at the time, but right. the singer I thought was fantastic, and I think that first record, Surprise Attack, every single record was great. Anyway, I would love to do um, a podcast where we talk about metal, not like. Dio, Scorpions, Ozzy, Iron Maiden, Heavy Metal, or Motorhead. Hard Rock, man. Nah, yeah. Hard Rock. Yeah, and really just kind of go over and just kind of just shout out a bunch of bands that we like to maybe albums and talk about that stuff. Yeah. Um, so so many other – and by the way, we'll get into grunge. We could get into a little bit of rap and some other types of music, um, which uh, Dirty certainly have a, a better knowledge or history of that, but I've got some. Uh, especially back in the day, like 80s and 90s. So anyway, we're going to do some other types of, of music here because we're such music lovers. Yeah. Um, just to give you guys a, a heads up for that. All right, so let's get into the rest of our, our show here. I think we'll probably have a little bit of a time to give a few bands like a honorable mention and maybe go through very quickly the spin list of Top 30. All right, Dirty, what do you got for your number five? This is the top five. This is the biggest of the big of thrash metal. Who's your number five band? Uh, probably Slayer. Okay. Um, good band. Um, super controversial for some people. Um, they're just, I mean, I saw them, I've seen them live with you. 
uh, I think I've every time I've seen Slayer, it's been with you. So uh, just real dark. Um, probably the only band that's like literally seeing them live it just uh, kind of doubles their intensity. Um, they're just they're all their all their shits wild. Like their lyrics and the 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 music, you know, it's like it's it's the perfect soundtrack to the apocalypse. Not to not to take away from what Scott Ian said, he said basically the same thing. But it is, it's like the the, the lyrics are are fucking you know dark and raw and uh, just it's it's all this shit. Like in my opinion, it's like from Angel of Death to uh, Seasons in the Abyss. Um, you know, when I heard them, it took me a while to get into them just because it's like what I did here. I was like, man, that's just fucked up. And, but, uh, you know, I did and I, I appreciate, you know, Dave Lombardo is probably hands down one of my favorite drummers of all time. Uh, still met the guy really nice. Uh, but yeah, they're just, they're just wild and, um, just intense and, um, you know, it's just the lyrics and, and, you know, and they're, they're like ACDC where it's like guaranteed something about Satan, something about Nazi Germany or the Nazis and uh, serial killers. So, so it's kind of the funny, uh, funny format, but, or, uh, you know, uh, re- uh, recipe, but that's their thing. And that's what they, you know, were making records off of for so many years. But yeah, great, great stuff. So I mentioned with Metallica that I'm not a big fan of Kirk Hammett. Can you, along with these bands, it's it's the negative and the positive. Do you right. feel comfortable speaking to some things that you don't like about Slayer? Oh, yeah. I just, uh, I mean, I could go on. Like, there's a lot of stuff. Uh, but, you know, I appreciate them. appreciate the music. And, you know, like they, you know, you can find, uh, you can find, elements of them in other music, uh, especially hip-hop, Public Enemy. Uh, Rick Rubin sampled them for one of their songs. It was actually a really good song. Um, they're just, uh, you can you can mismatch them with punk. Um, uh, you, you can mismatch them with, with hardcore punk. Um, and, you know, they have like that, that street edge, I mean, I don't sound like an old person, but they, they do. They sound like they're more in touch with, like, reality in, in the streets uh, than than a lot of, like, bands or artists. So, um, then you know, and they, they always blow me away with who who likes them. And, uh, you know, you know Ice-T loves Slayer. Um, you know, I'm sure they've... I think, they, I think they've interacted with, like, Publi- or, uh, NWA back in the day. Um, they, you know, the, let's see, um, maybe the ghetto boys, I'm not sure, but, um, you know, and then you see, you know, you see him, uh, referenced, uh, by, uh, Joe Biafra, who's a punk singer. He's mentioned, um, I, you know, skaters, they're big in the skate scene. Uh, you had one guy who, um, you have one guy who, Played on their name. His name was Spare, so his logo was Spare the Skater Kid, um, and they had a play on the uh, 
the album for uh, album cover of I think. Well, it's their their logo, the pentagram and the and the swords and all that, and he he did a play on that, and you know just um, man, their egos, like you know, I had a friend of mine tell me he met him and said they were uh, they're a little rough to talk to, um, they weren't very friendly, uh, and they've been known to be dicks, like Carrie King. Uh, Al Jorgensen was talking about they were playing the, the, the mastermind behind ministry said Kerry King came in. Uh, I think he acknowledged them and Kerry King grabbed like beer and then made a mess or something and just walked out of the room. But ministry, Al Jorgensen played a fucking Slayer riff on, uh, on, uh, on one of his, you know, one of his tracks. Uh, this one fix, you know, and so it's just kind of like, you know, they, they, they're, they're kind of the real deal. At least, uh, I would say at least, uh, Kerry King and Jeff Henneman were like the, the like stone cold, like dudes. Like they, there was no fucking around and joking and, you know, like, uh, they're not like that. Like, um, you know, surprisingly, uh, especially Kerry King, I was impressed with the interview he did with Bruce Dickinson and talking about, you know, uh, the United States' lack of, you know, how the average person in the United States has a, has, doesn't have much, you know, interest or, uh, doesn't understand world politics. Uh, you know, just all the, you know, in the, um, you know, being realistic about playing a Slayer and playing that kind of music for a long time because it physically it puts a toll on your body. Um, and, you know, they played intense every fucking show. Uh, so it's just I don't know. There's so much to say about it, but yeah, Slayer's. I have a I have a like dislike thing with Slayer because I I you know I love the music, but some of the shit they're just kind of fucked up. So I don't know. Well, I want you to if, if you if you're comfortable talking about it because I think it's interesting. I was wondering if you wanted to talk about the dislike part of it relating to. Heavy metal and its association with Nazi history, Nazi right. propaganda, Nazi collectibles. I mean, we yeah. talked about this, um, you know, in length before, and I think it's an interesting part of the conversation. Do you want to speak about your feelings about how they maybe haven't gone against Nazism, as yeah. because of the association with some of the songs they've written, it has been. Right. I think uh, people, certainly some of the listeners, I don't think that Henneman feels this way, and he's spoken about it because he wrote Angel of Death and you know a lot of these things about Nazi Germany, but that they condone it or that they think it's cool or something. Um, do you think that they should have corrected their fans and said, by the way, like this isn't what we're talking yeah. about or i mean they tom ray i saw a documentary with a friend of mine and they kind of just make light of it and how it's just a thing um and you know i looked up i've looked done research and looked up a lot of pictures from back in the day and um henneman has some tons of like ss shit like the famous skull um and you know the tongue-in-cheek shit they that's the phrase they used to use back in the day. Um, and, you know, I guess Henneman was, you know, he was 
I think it was friends with Lemmy and Ozzy and all those guys collect Nazi stuff. Um, and, you know, they all make like really interesting, you know, excuses for it. Um, it's just, uh, and then, you know, the, the biggest irony is Tom Araya, like they used to talk, you know, and make songs, lots of songs about like how religion is fucked up, Christianity or the Catholic church and, and, you know, uh, born again preachers and, you know, all that. But, uh, then they find, I think, you know, I read somewhere that Tom Araya is like a born again Christian and he's really conservative. He's a Trumper and all this. So it's just funny how people over the years change and it goes from like art repeating. What is that expression? Art repeating. Art imitating life, life. or life imitating art. So it's like, you know, when I read that, uh, and I, I, I download an article, it's like, you know, now they've become the life part of, uh, again, you know, instead of the, uh, the artist, you know, reflecting on our society. Now it's like, you know, with that, he becomes it. And, you know, this is a broader thing within metal, um, especially, you know, well, like every time you go to a Slayer show, I, I mean, I've been not just Slayer, but I saw, you know, we went to Ozfest and, you know, I've always seen racist people or Nazis there doing like Zeke Heil. I even went to Rammstein with Soulfly and, you know, you see like bigots because they don't understand. They think of Rammstein because they're Germans that they're fascists, but that's the gimmick. It's like the play on it. But, um, but with Slayer and yeah. And then the whole time, you know, it's like, it's been their, one of their, their things. Uh, and I, you know, and I understand talking about fucked up things and, you know, because they, you know, they have, they talk about serial killers and Satanism and all this. And, uh, uh, but with that, it's like, you know, it's like there could have been any effort to go, yeah, we're talking about it because it's fucked up. Like, this is one of the most fucked up moments of, of in history and it's horrible. Um, and you, you know, but we, we don't condone it. We're just talking about how fucked up it is, and and like there's not a, you know not a lot of there's not an event, not a lot of events like the Holocaust, and and you know on top of it, it's like when people collect serial killer shit, it's like you know some you know you got to feel for the victims. I mean, you know, like you I've seen you know elderly Jewish people with the tattoos on the arms and that, you know and it's just like if you don't believe in the Holocaust you're a fucking lunatic like that shit was real and you know you break it down and and, it, and you know it's just part of this bigger thing and whether whether you intend to or not um, your actions still speak louder than what you say or don't say for that matter and after a while it's like you know. It, you know, like I said, it becomes like you, you go because how many times are you going to talk about this in different aspects of it, and then you draw a crowd of like Nazis, as neo Nazis, to your show, and you know there's no emphasis or you know emphasis on on trying to like be inclusive to other uh, groups of people, other races of people, other you know all these fans. And, you know, Slayer shows, I swear to God, like, the scariest thing is the audience, man. It's like, you know, I've been in a mosh pit there, which was fucking scary. It's like everything you can imagine of, like, 
the intensity of metal and you know and it's like you know it it, it just flies after a while and and, it, and it's I understand you know Jeff Hanneman's thing was uh you know his dad was in World War Two and I had a friend explain to me about kids of veterans you know especially from World War Two and uh, my friend explained it like you know if you're seeing memorabilia that means like that's from a dead Nazi. And that just shows that they're dead. And, you know, but, it, you know, to me, it's just, uh, it's like, it's a touchy subject because it's like, you know, it's, it, 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 you know, a lot of like Jewish people, when they could come here, came here, enlisted and joined, you know, became citizens and went back and fought the Nazis. And, you know, it's like, it's like a thing. I mean, Rick Rubin, I'd read an article and he, you know, he would get into it with them because he's Jewish. And it just it you know it it was probably a really touchy subject, uh, but you know that's that's you know that's a thing. I mean, it's a it's a thing within the industry, you know, the music industry and the entertainment industry, like just that specific, like Nazi collect Nazi memorabilia. You know, it's all these little things, and it's just I understand. You know, you don't care, not you, but I understand a person is just like you know to each their own, but. Um, Man, it's just it's it's it means a little more I think nowadays because there's more of a heightened, uh, more openness of fascism in general, you know. So I don't I, yeah. I don't you know. So I I didn't you know I wasn't planning on bringing it up, but it's it's a thing you know. They when you Tarwas Slayer, it's like it's like it it's 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 uh, that in Satanism, you know, because that's the thing they've been playing on and using that's their gimmick and it's like okay uh, so yeah yeah well i have listened to slayer all through i mean i've listened to every record i mean they did cut the the satan stuff i think they left with the 80s um carrie king who wrote really did more of the satan stuff jumped on the anti-religion and started right. talking politics and some other uh, more so socially viable subjects <clears throat> after the 80s. One thing is that with, with that, it is a touchy subject, and I know that I showed my father the lyrics who fought in Vietnam, and he was like, wow, he goes, that's, he's like, that's, that stuff means a, some, it's, means a lot to a lot of people. The reason why I'm saying this is that when Henneman first came out, they said, Boy, like you're getting banned in, in other like uh, somebody Columbia wouldn't release their record. They just switched to Geffen at the last minute, and they said we're not going to release this. And they, I saw an interview with Henneman, and they're like, why, why are people all up in arms? And he's like, well, look, I goes, I'm not the way that I write is kind of like a news source. Like if you turn on the news, news you have news and you have opinions. Fox right. is opinions, news is news. So he's like, I'm really just trying to give people the story um, and let them make up their own minds. He's, and he, right. I heard him say, like, hopefully you, you don't – you oppose this. He goes, I thought that was really kind of a given. But yeah, he does go more into um, South of Heaven, Behind the Crooked Cross, is really a more specific song about the people that were going along with Nazi Germany and about uh, oh, wow. the five behind it. That's more of a – of an anti-Nazi song, I think that uh, and certainly Angel Death was describing the most horrific things done by Josef Mengele. 
The one right. thing that Henneman said, though, after Rain and Blood, he's like, look, everyone's getting all up in arms. It's just a song. And I think that it's it's not. You know, I mean, it's it's much deeper than that. And when you invoke the, that kind of history oh, and that no. kind of um, that kind of graphic images that are being related through right. language, then it is it's more than just a song, good and bad. Good because it's I, I learned things in the song that I really didn't even know before. That uh, you know, Mangala lived kind of a happy kind of a happy life through South America, skirting through Brazil and. Uh, Going up to Argentina and different things was hidden out for a line. Got to live on the beach for the rest of his days um, until he until maybe sixty seven or something like that. So the, the ending line is something about uh, rancid angel of death is flying free. Well, rancid isn't exactly the, the terminology is using when it described it isn't flattering. If you're rancid. You know, if you're describing Joseph Mengele as being rancid, I mean, right. you shouldn't have to hit people over the head with the fucking message. You either get it or you don't. You know, right. I'm smart enough to get it. You're smart enough to get it. Stupid people will read anything and turn it into their own uh, description of what it is and, and totally bastardize the subject and the meaning behind it. Um, I think it it does – some people don't like to describe their songs. Now, maybe he had a more of a um, – a responsibility to based on the subject matter, but some people don't even like to tell you to this day. I mean, what's that song? You're so vain. By uh, mm-hmm. that that girl, they're like, who is the person? Who is it? Is it Mick Jagger? Is Probably it Warren Beatty? Yeah. Oh, and she's like, so I'm not obvious, gonna, I'm not gonna say who it is. I know. Right. And she, she's like, I'm not gonna say who it is. That's my secret to keep, and you have to figure it out. People don't like to have to describe the song after they write right. it. Like, look, this is what it is. Like, if you're a shithead about it. But at the same time, you know, yeah, it is part of the heavy metal culture that all these people, as we said in the beginning of this uh, podcast, are writing about some pretty intense... Some pretty, they're not talking about just partying and drinking beer. They, they may be doing that afterwards, but these songs are about something much deeper. Um, and unfortunately, some of the heavy metal authors audience are not the right audience to properly decipher what they're talking about and recite that into what it's about. You know, so, I mean, I could certainly, um, and you and I talked about that where I'm like, well, hey, the way you described it is like if you're taking something from a, a dead soldier, it's like, a, hey, I'm taking this because it proves that we won out and you didn't win. And here's a relic of your failed attempt to take over the world um, right. and when people drink and, and glorify it kind of like drinking that they we won you know what I mean? and the, one of those kind of things now I get all that stuff and Henneman doesn't have to describe it to me there's just a lot of uh, I've noticed that about Slayer that a lot of their not a lot I don't know I mean there's certainly a fan base of them and any and any other massive heavy metal band talking about these kinds of subjects that don't interpret the lyrics properly or really pluck out the hate parts. But it's like people that read the Bible and they miss the whole message of love from Jesus and they go to the part of right. man should not lay with other man. And everything everything that they live for is based off of making sure that gay marriage is illegal or talking about how how uh, what kind of a sin that is because they're, pl- they're cherry-picking what they want to cherry-pick out to feed their hate rather than take the message as a whole. Um Anyway, I thought that was a great segment. Thank you for 
uh, sharing your feelings about that, I thought it was an important part of not just Slayer, but heavy metal and speed metal in general. Right. And it's a part of why, whether it's satanic influence lyrics or, or some other things, um, that, you know, Slayer's been put in that category of offensive. So, okay, let's move on from, that was your number five selection, Slayer. My number five <clears throat> is Pantera. They're, in the 80s, they were not a thrash metal band. They were just a heavy metal band doing Aussie covers. They turned into one of the heaviest, best thrash metal bands of all time, doing heavy amounts of speed, too. I mean, their first record, Cowboy from Hell, was more of a heavy metal record. It had some Slayer riffs in there, had some heavy riffs, had the art of shredding. They shredded. They did thrash metal. Strength beyond strength opens up vulgar display of power, is thrashed to the core, it's super fast. It's got great riffs. He's talking about legalizing marijuana. He's talking about he talks about a lot of things I don't agree with. Man, so you want to talk about you don't have to misinterpret what he says when he comes out into a show and gives the white power. It says white power. I mean, the guy is a fucking fool. And he's if you see him in an interview, he just contradicts himself left and right, and really leaves a bad taste in my mouth as far as uh, yeah, kind of a kind of a scumbag. Right. But he's an incredibly talented uh, singer, songwriter. The Abbott brothers, uh, Dimebag Darrell and Vinnie Paul, are two of the most amazing musicians in heavy metal history. The tightness, they took that to a whole new, le whole new level in the 90s. Like their song, A New Level, which is a great song off of Vulgar Display of Power. The, what they did in the 90s pushed everything from the 80s it tightened it up as tight as it could possibly get. It got as like uh, they, they just were incredibly mu musically talented, gifted. Some of the greatest guitar solos you ever heard uh, from Timebag Daryl. I think they got heavier and faster as they went along. Uh, they hit that groove metal thing too, which was in a combination. They would do slower groove metal sounds. They would do faster speed metal songs too. And they took it all the way through the rest of the decade, and I think had an amazing decade in the 90s. They were the preeminent band thrash. I have one other 90s thrash band in here, but uh, they were the most popular preeminent kings of metal, thrash metal, heavy metal, groove metal in the 1990s. So my number five band is Pantera. Um, and if you want to talk about Pantera, uh, Dirty, you can. Otherwise, you can move on to number four if you want to. I just, uh, I mean, I wouldn't, we witnessed it as, you know, we saw him at Ozfest and Rune, uh, or he shortened Slayer set. Um, the guy is a walking contradiction. He's a, he's a, he's a fascist. Uh, I saw an interview with him on MTV wearing a, uh, a South African, like fascist apartheid uh symbol um that only like fascists would know of uh I had to look it up um I mean it's just uh probably the most openly like racist redneck like dude in metal I mean uh you know I I just you know and then Dimebag Daryl and I I don't know if he you know they're from the south so I don't really know uh, if the guy at the time didn't realize that his guitars were the the symbol of the Civil War, actually not the Civil War, after the you know during Jim Crow era of lynching and shit was the the flag that 
you know, the South inherited and, you know, white people pressed upon our we're playing that shit and all that, you know, Southern, one of their albums is Southern uh, Culture. What's that? Southern Trent, the great Southern Trent Kill. Right. So, I mean, you know, and there's another song or Phil Anselmo's and his other band or uh, that other, like, slow metal band talking about Southern Pride and all this. And, you know, so and he was scared after, like, Katrina – I guess I read this article, he was scared after Katrina to show himself in, like, you know, a, a bigger urban area because he, he's paranoid that, that you know, somebody black would, like, attack him or, or somebody, you know. Uh, I mean, it's just, you know, even Slayer said that, like, he was just over the fucking top, ridiculous. Um, yeah, he's yeah, not very so, popular. Phil uh, is not very popular in the thrash metal world. This is now with a lot I mean, of different people. And to be honest with you, I I have heard. I don't know for sure. Um, you know, as far as sources are concerned, I mean, I've heard about them not being the most racially open band. Uh, when you, even when you're talking about the Abbott Brothers, I've heard that they're kind of like good old boys. And they they come from Texas. Yeah. They're not really uh, the bass player. What a slithery when I what, right. go ahead. Rex. No, I'd say Rex. Rex. He just looks like a trucker who does speed. So I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I don't. he does look like he's doing black beauties on the road. And when I hear that guy talk, when he talked about uh, Phil versus the uh, Abbott brothers, the guy was just playing two sides of the, what a spineless piece of shit that guy seems like. First of all, to stick oh. with with Phil. Um, even though Phil is just basically out of his mind, he realized that was his his meal ticket. Right. Um, he's just like, uh, I don't really have a lot of respect for that guy. Uh, but look, there's nothing, I can't take anything away from the band. I listened to Vulgar Display of Power. Oh, yeah. Cowboys from Hell a billion times back in the day. Everybody did. Some of the great works, but um, as far as guys outside of the music, I don't know if I met him if I would like him too much uh, to be honest with you i don't know i wouldn't approach that guy i, I don't know he's yeah he's no. yeah i just uh i listen to them dude uh i mean i'll add to what you're saying i mean musically it's like the same thing with slayer uh but they were they reinvented the, the whole genre of just 90s sound where everything's like slow the fuck down just drop d you know, just, you know, like, just, uh, you know, like, you could see that, you know, Phil, Phil sings, and, like, he's a, he's a hardcore singer. It's a bit, one of his biggest influences, Black Flag. Um, and then he can sing, like, melodic stuff and soft oh, stuff. Good. You know, he's very talented. I'll give him that, you know. Uh, and Dimebag Daryl's guitar playing for the 90s because of that whole emphasis of guitar shredding off. Uh, really died out um after grunge and then but he kept it going uh as a mainstay in the format of their songwriting um and it wasn't cheesed out it actually went with it i mean it's just yeah man they're fucking they're fucking a great band musically i i love vulgar slave i listen to that thing in the fucking dirt man i but i just didn't know anything about them and then i'd start to hear things and read shit and like metal magazines and you know and MTV's talking about you in a negative way, 
you know, it's like, oh, shit, you know. But, um, but yeah, other than that, yeah, I mean, for a 90s band, like, they're the heaviest. Like, they're the fucking – and they're popular. They are a success, you know. Yeah. But, yeah, it's funny. Uh, the guitar player's family, Daryl's family, forbade, forbidden him for, – I don't know how you said – forbade him from uh, uh, going to the memorial. Yeah. Like, yeah. he's not allowed there. He's just, like – you know the guy's fucking. He is a he is a fascist. Like he, you know, doing meth and and fucking being a dope fiend and like just being so intense all the time. And you know, it's like and yeah, being proud of it. The, the yeah, thing is, it's, it's like it's one thing if you almost die from a drug overdose. He acted like it was a badge of honor to him. Hey, I, you can't fuck with me. I almost died. Fuck you. That's your problem. You're the right. one who overdosed on heroin who decided to become an heroin addict. Right. I, mean, I know he was having back problems and stuff like that, but he acts like his, he's so inside himself um, that he, he thinks that what he is is like a big grandiose achievement. Like he's just a, right. a uh, you know, yeah, he's a fucking singer. Big deal, right. dude. You're a fuck. Get over yourself. He, he's the kind of a guy that just like, when I see him, he's just so yeah. Wrenched in his own achievements that it just makes me sick. Um, anyway. Yeah, yeah. yeah. All right. So let's move on to, uh, we got, uh, that was mine number five. Uh, and, uh, techno, wait, one last thing. You technically don't think that they're thrash metal though, right? When we're describing thrash metal. No, um, like I said, I think they, they kind of, they change things and, and not really thrash. Like they have, you know, elements of it, but, but that no, they're like they're just I I just call it metal, like '90s metal. Just that, you know, that's what I say. Their their genre would be is you know that's what they would fall along. Just just heavy, just fucking you know, just, just slow, fucking you know. Okay, so we got for number number four for your band. All right, uh, all right. Uh, number four. It's a double header, um, but. Both, you know, for me is in for as a thrash fan, uh, Testament and Motorhead. Motorhead for thrash metal. Yeah, um, Orgasmatron is like it's like their Motorhead is actually kind of bluesy uh, and you know very rock uh, and you know, like punk stuff, but uh, Orgasmatron's heavy as fuck. Um, and just the rhythm, the guitars. But is it fast? Um, it can be. Uh, not as fast as like you know swearing, but uh, they change it up too. And um, you know they're 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 kind of like in, they kind of in you know have inspired thrash in a way, especially for Metallica, um, the way they play, and that created you know mm, uh, yeah that you know so it's kind of like. When you hear Orgasmatron, especially the song Orgasmatron, that's fucking metal as fuck. It's about it is. war. It's, it's definitely and... metal. It's not thrash, but it's drop D tuning heavy metal with great right. yeah. lyrics. So, but anyway, okay. And then you also put, you said Testament? Yeah. Um, another, I think they're from the Bay Area, or maybe that's where they got started. Yes. Uh, another yeah. Bay Area band. Uh, fucking Practice What You Preach was a... Uh, it was a great album, um, and I when I listen to it, it's, an, it's like Exodus, where and I heard all these albums within the same like time span because I started to smoke weed, so like I just was like, oh, I gotta, 
I got to do this. Uh, and, you know, and so, and I got started being rebellious. So I was like, yeah, I want to hear this. So I caught up on all those bands, but Testament was another band. It was like, then they're talking about the environment, shady ass preachers, um, you know, hatred, um, like, and they're also like the native band. So it was like, it's like the first, uh, native American rock, you know, rock stars like openly you know like um and and metal uh and fucking really good uh alex skolnick is a you know great he's a great technical guitar player but he he the rhythm like in their fucking time changes and like they can switch it up chuck billy's got a great fucking thrash metal voice um lyrics are fucking great like i still think about it you know uh the oh the ballad is about you know it's about suicide and you know you know ah we love you as a human being you know it's it, you, you know it, like try to fight through depression um uh i mean dude i could go on like but it's one of my favorite albums you know favorite thrash metal albums favorite metal albums uh it's just deep fucking uh great rhythm to get Rhythm guitar player is great, just solid. Like the whole, it's just good. It's fucking good. I hear you. Testament is uh, great. Um, we get. Uh, I'm gonna move on to my number four. Is my other '90s band. They technically came out in the '80s, but they personified their sound and um, harnessed their sound. I think the best in the 1990s at Sepultura. Oh. <laughs> um, Arise was the first record that I got. I heard Dead Embryonic Cell, the song Arise, um, uh, Desperate Cry, Altered State. I mean, it's just a, a really good record. It's this, you know, they did Beneath the Remains before that in Schizophrenia, where they did a cover of uh, Orgasmatron. They, to me, in the 90s, changed thrash metal the same way that Pantera had been in a much different way. They obviously are from South America. Uh, they added a sort of, uh, they're from Sao Paulo, which, you know, it's weird. I see Sao Paulo on our list. Well, when we, it shows, it breaks down our analytics, our dashboard of who's listening to the show. Oh, and yeah. Some people from Sao Paulo are downloading our episodes, the nice. political ones that we were talking about. Anyway, it's a, they're talking about politics in South, South America. KSID is, is their crowning achievement. It's, uh, they did the KOLA song where they, where it's just these, I don't think it's not a tabla, it's not an Indian drum, but they basically play this little tom drum type thing to an acoustic guitar. Super heavy, deep, uh, sounding song. It's, it's an instrumental. But uh, KSAD is a fantastic record all the way up and down. Every single song is great. The cover of The Hunt at the end is is awesome about this guy tracking down a South American drug kingpin because you know, these days they're putting fentanyl on everything, which is killing people like crazy. I guess there's some guy in South America that was putting stuff in to strengthen up drugs that was killing people. And this guy created an army to go and track this guy down uh, in the streets and drag him out of his uh, the restaurant he owned or the club that he owned and beat him to death in the streets. Um, they, they're oh. they're just they really revolutionized the 1990s for heavy metal, for speed metal, for thrash metal, 
Roots, Bloody Roots is a fucking great album as well. Unfortunately, they broke up after that. The singer formed Soulfly, uh, if you've ever heard that. And then Sepultura started to wane as the years went on, and a few more members quit, I think. One of the greatest drummers in the history of music. Um, I put him up there with, like, Lombardo and um, the guy for the police. Like, Stuart Copeland is an amazing drummer. I think that guy's great. Neil Peart and stuff. I mean, that, the guy is just uh, amazing. In fact, let me... Yeah, I, I, we're going to have to shorten this up a little bit for the rest of the uh, the time here to, to, to make time, but uh, I have to say the guy's name, the drummer's name. Igor Cavalera. Hey, there you go, Igor Cavalera. Um, and his yeah. brother, of course, was the singer, the rhythm guitar player, the singer. Um, great. Andreas Kisser, I believe, is the Kaiser, excuse me, is the, maybe this Kisser, is the lead guitar player he's great too anyway great band they right. change sound they are absolutely a metamorphosis in the uh in the genre that's my number four pick the best rock metal bands of all time okay uh number three nuclear assault and uh i also have sepultura um nuclear assault great band i would put their thrash but like they're more hardcore than thrash, though. Like, their shit's just, like, intense, raw. Lyrics is great. The subjects are great. Like, they're, they're all about fucking thinking and uh, reporting on what they see. Uh, I mean, uh, every album is just intense. The bass player, in my opinion, is one of my favorite bass players of all time, Dan Milker. Um, Just, like, just fucking an amazing bass player. He uses this a fuzz pedal, so it's like his shit's all distorted. Um, just great singer screaming at you, telling you wake up. Um, I don't know, just raw, intense, uh, one of the best thrash metal bands ever. Just kind of just continue to stay the course and play and with that same focus. Uh, Sepultura, I'm just going to add like what you said, uh, um, I heard Pantera there, great. Then I heard Sepultura, and it's like they did that shit, and their shit's like raw, like, and it's all like intense, um, but it's like rhythmic because of the the Latin influence, the Brazilian influence, uh, the 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 tribal influence, and they inspired like that aspect aspect of metal, you know, that happened is you'd see other bands start to like incorporate, you know, different wep or weapons, different um instruments. Um wasn't cheesed out or acoustic shit is like solid and it's rhythmic, sounds great. Um they were, you know, probably one of the first bands in metal to really have a like a consistent uh uh subject matter of politics because like Brazil is like super political um, you know, you had the fascists take over in the, I believe in the 70s and 80s, and they were living, you know, coming out of that. Um, and not, even now to this day, Brazil, uh, well, they have a good president now, but the previous president was like in competition with Trump. Uh, Trump of the his, tropics. Right, and the guy is even more flamboyant, uh, bombastic, bombastic and ridiculous. But anyway... You know, they were talking about, like, you know, uh, Territory was my first favorite hit 
because it's like the video just talks about war, talks about like Israel uh, back then, you know, in the Palestinian conflict. All in the video and the lyrics, you can hear all this stuff. It's a news report, uh, and it opened my eyes and made me want to want to understand uh, like politics more. Um, and you know, they were just different. They were cool and they were very like metal, but they were like more or less, they were more punk rock about it with like their lyrics. They're inspired by the dead Kennedys. Um, you know, they like, even like they, you know, played with their their friends with like the Red Hot Chili Peppers back in the day, like Nirvana. They went on tour with so many different groups. Um, you know, and then, uh, so Chaos CD is a is an amazing album. I think it's like you know it's like it's my I listen to it today in this uh, in this period. It's like a soundtrack for right now. Um, uh, Arise is just like taking taking thrash and speed metal and then like fucking taking a step further with the time changes and the like. Max Cavalera like will never be a pop hit, like, singer. He's just screaming. He probably has, like, problems with his throat because he just, he's never soft about anything. His shit has just pretty much, you know, always been like that, um, you know, intelligent, uh, keeps it metal, keeps it to the to the people and to the streets. You know, he's just met the guy really little, really nice, you know, like, just uh, the uh, the opposite of some rock stars with attitude. He's the, you know, I met Jan Tetfield. That guy was like kind of subtly rude. Max Cavalier is shaking hands. I'm like, thanks, man. You're great. You know, uh, he, I, 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 if I had like a, you know how there's, what's that, what's that fantasy football shit? If there was fantasy metal bands, like you could do that, I would be like him and Dave Lombardo and Scott Ian, um, and probably Dan Lilker for bass. And, like, that would be, like, my ideal, like, metal punk band, you know, metal, heavy metal band. Um, well, I'll tell you what, yeah. if you substitute Dave Lombardo with Charlie Benante and add in and play whoever that other, the guy who was the singer who technically, I guess, had a problem with people not speaking English back in the day, you could, you got SOD, which was uh, Anthrax with Dan Lilker. Um, oh, yeah. Killer I mean, thrash metal record. That is, to me, in my opinion, it's a metal band, but I, metal album, but I consider it way more like hardcore punk. Like everything is with their minimal, their whole joke of like playing a song for like 50 seconds. You did. You know, like one riff. And that they're fucking, that's another level of, that's going to be on the punk list. For me, so, yeah. March of the what is it? March of the March of the SOD, dude. March of the SOD. That was uh, I remember Classic. that on uh, Headbangers uh, Ball. Headbangers Ball. Which, by the way, I checked out uh, the other day. MTV has Metal Mayhem. Um, I did not oh. watch it, but I think it's it's a metal show that's on Saturday nights that's akin to the Headbangers Ball. Of course, anytime you mention. Dan Loker, why don't you think for yourself? Yeah. You can also mention Anthrax because he was the original bassist right. with Anthrax. Um, right. I believe he played and wrote some of the songs on Armed and Dangerous. Um, there was oh, a yeah. big, different singer then. That wasn't Joey Belladonna, but 
All right, so that's uh, two bands you got there. That is number three. My number three band is <laughs> once I give number three, I think it's three. I think it's pretty easy to see what my number one and two are. But number three is Testament. Um, right. When you talk about the first uh, record, which is good. In fact, I, I I gotta get them up on uh, on Wikipedia here. So the First record, God, um, the legacy. That's okay. So the first one is legacy. Good. Over the wall, very good. The run that they went on. You're talking about the legacy, and I love them all. I I love the legacy. The new order is my second favorite. I fucking love that. The the trial by fire is amazing. They started with some. They were really great at the. Um, Clean Channel guitar. Eric Peterson is the unsung hero of that band. He writes the majority of the rhythms. He wrote Practice What You Preach. And every all the rhythms you hear, he pretty much wrote most of them. He's great at fl- flamenco guitar, which you hear. The the ballad is more of like a classical guitar that he goes back and forth with Alex Skolnick. But the beginning of Souls of Black, which is, uh, is from the sky, eyes from the sky. I'll get onto that song starts out with this amazing flamenco Spanish style guitar. The guy is so varied with his influences. He's so underrated. When people talk about thrash metal, especially with Testament, they talk about Chuck Billy. Uh, big dude, awesome dude. I got to be right up against the stage when I saw him on the low tour. He's one of the coolest, one of the, oh, just one of the thrash metal heroes, really. Alex Skolnick is a lot of school. He's a lot of Satriani. He's a lot of, oh, yeah. but man, is he fast with his, with his solos. He does melodic solos too. He's not just right. speed. Eric Peterson is with James Hetfield, the greatest rhythm guitar player in thrash metal history. The guy is amazing and Testament has not gone anywhere. Uh, they're, Biggest record that they released was 10 years ago. Went to like number 10 or number 12 in the charts. So I was so happy to see that uh, they're a band that should have blown up bigger than they did. I mentioned that with Metal Church and, and there's other bands that, that could have sold many more records. After Practice What You Preach, uh, which is a very good one. Sins of Omission, great song. Um, and also got off, off of that record, It's a Nightmare Coming Back to You. Yo, it's a quick little two-minute thrash metal songs, friggin' bitchin', written by Alex Skolnick. Um, and then if you move on to Souls of Black, Souls of Black is one of their greatest songs. It's great. Uh, and I was never a fan of Louis Clemente, their drummer, so they switched drummers uh, during low. But underrated records, because they keep going after that. In 1992, The Ritual is a fantastic record. So Many Lies is the heaviest song they've ever done. With the best lead guitar by Alex Skolnick that I've ever heard of do, uh, which he left after that record. Uh, Return to Serenity is a great, clean channel, fabulous, puts you in, in such a mood. It's such a different-sounding song than other thrash metal songs. Um, move on to my favorite, my absolute favorite Testament album is is Low, 1984. Drop detuning. Chuck Billy kind of changed to death metal vocals a little bit with his He could get so low with his growl. Right. He did it. But you can still hear the lyrics. If you go through the whole damn thing, Legions in Hiding about child abuse is one of the most intense biopics 
on kids going through child abuse. And it's, it's, uh, boy, did I, that really resonated with me. That Hail Mary is a fantastic, awesome, the whole album is, is so tremendous. Hail Mary, the song Low is probably their catchiest song they ever released. Um, Trails of Tears, Trail of Tears, I guess. Chuck Billy about his family heritage, talking about his native family heritage. I believe that was actually, yeah, that well, was on low. That's historic. That's like a big event. Andrew Jackson. Indian yeah, Andrew Jackson, act. Trump's hero. Trump's right. hero right. is uh, one of the greatest mass murderers in U.S. history. That doesn't surprise right. me. Right. Um, but, yeah, every song all the way down to, you want to talk about a thrash metal lyric on low. Um, the song Ride, Ride On To, Ride Through You. Um, it's, the song starts off with, don't you know what to do anymore until you've made love to the spike. And it's about people that kick themselves in the teeth and people that can't get it together and people that make the wrong decisions all the time. They bring you down with them. It's uh, a tremendously heavy, awesome song. Um, what else? Chasing Fear, great, great riff to that one. Shades of War, super heavy. Awesome. I really think James Murphy from Death plays guitar on this record. Replaces oh, okay. okay. Alex Who? I swear to God, you hear the leads on this record and you're saying Alex Who. I really didn't, uh, like, I welcomed the change when I heard it. Not to mention the fact that Louis Clemente, who was the king of single bass and thrash metal, which some of my favorite thrash, you got you got to kick out some double bass. You have to have some double bass. Yeah. So John Tempesta, who was a white zombie, he went on to drum with White Zombie. Oh, drummed wow. on this yeah, record. Yeah. Tremendous uh, drummer. The lineup they had with that low record was fantastic. Now after that, it dropped off a little bit for me. Um, as far as Testament's history, if you can go to Demonic, I did get that record. Demonic is is basically death metal, um, and it starts off with a countdown: ten. Nine, eight, seven, six, 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 and it goes right into the this this totally heavy death metal song, and that's, uh, that's with Dave right. Lombardo, right, on the drums? Uh, yeah, I do believe that he. Uh, let me see. It's got Glenn Alvelas from Forbidden. Oh, okay. Dave Murphy and. Wait, who plays drum? Well, Gene Hoglan from Dark Angel. I oh, think. wow. But I know that, um, yes, uh, he has drummed on some, Dave Lombardo has drummed on some Testament records. Huge fan of the band. They're really the unsung heroes, I think, of thrash metal because right. I just think uh, when we talk about Metallica and Megadeth, their whole career was not thrash metal. They had a period of time that they played thrash metal. Right. And I'm not saying Megadeth or Metallica never went back to thrash metal, thrash metal after Symphony of Destruction, after Enter Sandman. They did at points. Uh, but Testament just kept pushing it heavier and heavier. Right. And, you know, I don't like Demonic as much as I like to do Order or as much as The Ritual, but it's still a good record. Anyway, number three yeah. to me, Testament, one of the greatest bands of all time. I still love them. I still listen to them all the time. Dirty. 
we got it. We got the top two. Who are the top two thrash metal bands? Let's start with your number two. Anthrax. Anthrax. Okay. Yeah. Uh, same thing. Uh, they're really great. Uh, I heard uh, Among the Living on the radio, then I bought it. The fucking rhythm, just like Scott Ian is an amazing rhythm guitar player. Like, his shit is memorable. Yes. The switches, the heaviness, the grittiness, like, the production made it where you could hear everything. Uh, they, you know, they let everybody cut loose and fucking go at it. Charlie Benetti's great. Uh, they are the, for, like, timing, they're the one of the epitomes of, like, thrash metal where, to me, like, thrash metal, like, is, like, you can go from, like, just playing a rhythm and then you'll jump into a uh, a really fast rhythm in, like, seconds and then come back and just switch it up and, like, they're great with the timing. Uh, lyrics are great. Um, you know, thought-provoking, like, more serious, uh, you know, they just they would talk about real shit, uh, real clever. Like the lyrics are super clever. Uh, they you know they were big into Stephen King, so you get to hear about that. Um, you know politics. Um, you know Joey. Um, who's the first guy? The Joey Benetti. Belladonna. No. Belladonna. So I he, I guess he's part native. Uh, Right. And so they did the song Indians, um, and, you know, it's like nobody was doing that back in the 80s. Uh, so it was nice to, you know, it was, a, it was a cool song, and it had depth to it. And, you know, but they're very lighthearted dudes. Like, they played off everything pretty goofy. Their their logo is like a, a bald-headed dude with a mustache. I actually had that toy. So the Not Man, like that shit was classic. Like all the shit, they're cool. Like they're in, they're they were deep into like hardcore punk because like they were uh, they were like music friends with like uh, Agnostic Front um, and uh, uh, not CLC, uh, Cro-Mags and you know, uh, Youth of Today because they're you know they play a lot of the same clubs. They play CBGBs with those bands, so. They, you know, you could hear a lot of that. Uh, and then they're also like heavy metal nerds where, you know, Among the Living, they went on tour with Iron Maiden um, just as much as uh, Metallica, I think. Uh, also, they toured with Whitesnake, you know, they, they and they weren't pompous, you know, they weren't like uh, tight. They were like, cool. They were very gracious and appreciative of just uh, of their experience. But they were just, they're a great band. Uh, like I said, you know, I, I listened to their shit up until, you know, after like in the 90s and then 2000s, it was kind of like hit or miss. Um, I just have to say my only criticism is like I didn't I wasn't feeling Danny Spitz as like uh, of like a solo like shredder guy. And I to be honest, like I, I think they should have got a different singer. But. Other than that, fucking great. Like one of my favorite bands. Like, well, I've had, I've always had that uh, confliction of just like, man, what would they sound like with, I don't know, fucking, you know, Max Cavalier or fucking, uh, you know, somebody else. But yeah, yeah, um, love their 
the song they did with NW, uh, excuse me, with Public Enemy, uh, Bring the yeah. Noise. Uh, they've done yeah. lots of different. Uh, they kind of fused. <laughs> they hated that. Rap. What's that? Well, after that happened, it was like, you know, after then you had like the rap rock bands or rap metal bands. Like Scott Ian hated that. It was like they were doing that just out of like their love for Public Enemy because they actually were friends with them. And but it's like you know they didn't want to have a genre created. And like how but that's that, I was, where I was going with that is that oh, it, it, okay, it yeah. influenced the rap metal genre, which right you know positive or negative, I guess you decide. I'm not a fan of rap metal. Um, exactly. Right. I mean, I rap or excuse me, metal with a little hip-hop, like corn or something like that, I, I really like that, because it introduces different beats and different sounds and stuff like that, but really the big thing about that song is like, I, I just really, anything with Chuck D in it, I, I love. His vocals and yeah. that, that, the way that he raps, the force right. of his voice and right. what he's saying, it just kind of gets the blood boiling. The same way that right. thrash metal gets your masculinity thriving and just sort of like <laughs> makes you want to sort of I don't know I wouldn't say get violent but I would say get you puppy chested and makes you uh, just makes you want to do something physical or it could make you want to get up on a stage and sing about whatever you have to sing about or whatever yeah. but he, the same feeling I get when I listen to Slayer when I'm like ah, oh, get all revved up listening to it it just drives me wild and Chuck D can do the same thing he's really a special um, musician and a great whatever you want to rap rapper vocalist whatever he's someone who's got yeah. something to say who knows how to say it and it's as simple yeah. as that I agree um, so my number two band I'm actually going to cut these guys kind of short because uh, we're going to do them in the next our next episode it's Metallica is number two to me not number one um, I think there's I, I almost put them number three. I don't know. These these top five that I have are kind of interchangeable. With Metallica, I am not. This is controversial. I'm not a huge Kill 'Em All fan. I'm really not. I mean, Ride the Lightning is, I think, their first great album, although they have elements of just heavy metal to them as well. And I'll tell you what, too. When Lars Ulrich started out, he was kind of a shitty drummer. He was not up yeah. to par with the rest of the thrash metal industry. Even Mustaine said that. He's like, you know, if I was writing uh, Kill Em All, he's like, I would have written more intricate stuff than I ended up writing later, but Lars couldn't play to it. He just wasn't talented enough yet. Really, the first album where I heard the whole band kind of together was Master of Puppets. You know, Ride the Lightning is great. It's a fucking seminal piece in, in threat. I just, I just, a lot of their stuff, I think, like, Master of Puppets sounds thrashy to me. Oh, yeah. Um, like, oh, Ride the Lightning. Yeah, Ride the Lightning to me is is a little more kind of like heavy metal mixed again, I just I think Lars's drummer drumming kind of holds him back even though there's great songs in there. Master of Puppets is one of the greatest albums of all time no matter what the genre. It's I still listen to it all the time. It's an incredible, I mean whether it's Damage Incorporated, Battery, The Thing That Should Not Be is one of the heaviest fucking songs I've ever heard. That is really Kirk Hammett soloing at his best when he does that tripped out whammy bar solo to that. I, I, I love that song. I love Sanitarium. Disposable Heroes is a Stone Cold classic. Leopard Messiah is fucking awesome. Some of the most biting lyrics about religion. Uh, you know, uh, what is the line about uh, 
make a contribution, you'll get a better seat right. uh, in heaven. And uh, Injustice for All is really a uh, heavy, fast, poorly produced and mixed album because there's absolutely no bass in there. They really fucked Jason Newstead on that record. Man, oh my um, God. Yeah, but it is still some great material on there. Black is an incredible song. Shortest yeah. Straw, Harvester of Sorrow, Dyer's Eve, uh, the title track. I Have the Beholder is one of the greatest, heaviest, is one of the greatest giddy-up riffs of all time. And once you move on to the Black album, it's a good album. It's just that's not thrash, you know, obviously. So Metallica's got my number two spots. Dirty, what do you got for number two? Uh, what is that? What is it? Um, I told you, uh, Anthrax. Oh, sorry. Whoa! So we're up to number one. This is it. The prime right. position in the top ten thrash metal bands of all time. What is your number one? Metallica. I wonder. Uh, um, <laughs> exactly. Kind of just you kind of just did the intro, but yeah, I have to agree. Uh, I first got into them and. Uh, they were, they were, like, when I was a kid, like, so it was, like, 86, I was, like, getting into skating, and, like, so I'd see their skateboard ads for their Zorlax skateboard and Thrasher, uh, and then I'd hear them on KNAC, um, and it just was, like, they were, they were so good that, like, I'd heard about them through word of mouth and through... You know, there were no videos, like, that was their big thing, and that was, like, they were very proud of themselves, and, like, you know, they were, like, we don't need that shit. We don't sell out, uh, even though you're on, like, Electra, but, you know, whatever. Uh, but they had their integrity, and there, you know, was, like, the epitome of, like, thrash metal, um, just the changes, the fucking rhythm, the lyrics, fucking tight. Uh, Master of Puppets is probably one of the best theme songs. Um, just heavy, 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 like just crazy guitar playing, like shredding. Um, uh, Cliff Burton was, it was almost like he was the, he was the, the way he played and like he stuck out where he was older and he was into like 70s rock, but the way he applied that, the bass was just like insane and gave him a heavy you know like that the producer uh on that album like they hooked him up because like he if it wasn't for his sound they wouldn't it would be missing like that heavy chunk and cliff burton is like you know it's an amazing bass player with his fucking hands like i don't think he picked anything he played everything with his hands and uh you know, never changed really his look. Like, he looked like he never... They all got, like, black pants, black shoes, black T-shirts, leather jackets. And Cliff Burns, like, nope, denim jacket, bell-bottom jeans, and maybe, like, a Misfits T-shirt. <laughs> and it's amazing, you know, and, like, very good, you know, just amazing guitar player, bass player. He passed away, but he's, like, the... He was almost, like, the the, the star. He was uh, the heart and soul. He was, but he also, he played bass, like, but he, you know, you hear, uh, you hear, um, Orion, um, and what's, is it Damage Incorporated, where he, 
they switch off and but he just uh, he was like an essential you know member of the band and he dies uh, on the bus and that's one of the first things I heard about him I was going to school and my mom was taking me and was on the news and like you know you know rock news I was like oh man that's fucked up and so and then then fucking uh you know, and then I heard Ride the Lightning, and it was so heavy for me. Like, it was just like, holy shit, man. This is just fucking insane. Like, this is so intense. Like, so heavy. It felt like the earth was shaking. Like, it just the wrists were like, just fucking insane. Just fucking so metal. Um, and then uh, that, you know, I, I was like, holy fuck. Then, you know, then Garage Days comes out, and it's like, like bands I'd never heard of. I'd never heard of the Misfits. I'd heard of them, but I'd never heard them. And so, you know, hearing that, I'm like, holy shit, like this shit's intense. And like, you know, it takes an, it's another step, uh, another notch of like metal with like faster, jumpier starts, you know, just and taking punk and then like just adding more distortion and uh, just taking it to the next level. Uh, and then like, you know, I saw them, uh, for the Monsters of Rock tour and I go with my mom and it's like live. It was just like, they were so good live, like so tight. I heard everything. Um, you know, and so I got to see Jason Newsted, you know, and when you're at a, I was at the LA Coliseum, uh, which isn't there anymore. Um, it was so big and it was like, it was like watching like, a whole suburb full of people hang out for the same thing. And, and, uh, and it's like, I could barely see anybody on stage because we were so far up, but it was like, you could hear every fucking thing. And I could hear them like when we were, you know, when we were fucking, uh, we, we got there right after kingdom comes. I was like, I don't give a fuck about them. So we get there and like, they just had started. And my mom was like tripping out because she couldn't believe like, everybody's banging their head and, you know, air guitaring and, like, you know, everybody's, like, you have people, like, smoking weed. So we brought a bong in, and the security guard is, like, taking rips. It's like, holy fuck. And my mom's just like, oh, my God. So we get to see them, and they were playing with Van Halen, you know, uh, Doc and Scorpions and Van Halen. All really good, really good, you know, bands. But Metallica, man, was so hot. Like, that was, to me, like, probably... That was like the peak of their genuine, just raw appeal. And then after that, when they put out Injustice for All, then they just continued. And it was just like, then they just became like Iron Maiden and just fucking toured, um, you know, playing with everybody. They played with the cult, Queen's Rack, my ex girlfriend went to that show. Uh, but once Injustice for All came out, it was like the epitome of like thrash metal at every element you could think of, and then the lyrics were, like, deep, talking about, uh, I think there was about throat cancer or uh, lungs, you know, getting cancer in the lungs from smoking and, like, abusive parents. And, like, Dyer's Eve is, like, the one of the heaviest fucking songs ever, period. Just, you could see somebody getting inspired to make 90s, that 90s style of music because it was just, like, that's it. That's fucking... That's they they were ahead of it. Like they were already they already got it. But Lars is like a fucking douche who wanted to be in a you know, LA rock band rather than just 
you know, enjoy and evolve. But, uh, yeah, man, fucking, oh my God, like Metallica for me was just, uh, they were like so big and like being in California was like, at the time it was like them and Van Halen were like the fucking, the love. Like three rock stations were playing the Monsters of Rock concert live on air, simulcast all throughout like, all throughout the L.A. area. So it was fucking wild, man. And my mom liked it. It was the other weird thing. Yeah, my dad loved Metallica, Slayer, even some of the test. Um, I mean, uh, anything that had a good groove to it. So we got like three minutes left here. Um, I definitely learned new appreciation for Diamond Head on uh, Garage Days. They're a very good old British band. Um, Anyway, all right, so my number one... It's, it all starts and ends with Slayer. Right. Talking about thrash metal, Slayer is thrash metal, period. Yeah. They've always been thrash metal. The very last album, Repentless, was thrash metal. Uh, no other band has started as thrash metal and ended as thrash metal and has as much thrash metal guitar riffs and uh, everything that goes along with the, the fast drumming, the speed drumming, the groove drumming, uh, the lyrics, uh, insightful, intelligent lyrics. They personify thrash metal. Um, when Megadeth and Metallica slowed down, uh, Slayer did it. Now, not saying Divine Intervention is not a superior album to, say, the Black album. It's not. In fact, that's where that's was one of my most disappointed uh, Slayer albums that I listened to. Uh, but it all starts 1983, Die by the Sword. I think that right away, talking about the 80s. Um, Slayer, they're the kings of, of thrash metal, still even over Metallica. Um, Rain and Blood is the greatest thrash metal album of all time. Uh, Seasons in the Abyss is one of them, So South to Heaven. Those three albums together, you have to put Hella Waits in there. Those four records are four of the greatest thrash metal albums of all time. Uh, when they started out, not only Die by the Sword, Black Magic, uh, heavy Iron Maiden influence, you can hear it in, in the music. Die by the Sword to me, uh, in that first album, I like it better than Kill 'Em All. I like Show No Mercy better than Kill 'Em All. Uh, Die by the Sword is the greatest thrash metal song of any band on their first record. The second record, Chemical Warfare, about people going to war using other methods besides ground troops and ground battles to try to get an edge on the opponent. It's about nuclear war, too, about how it pollutes the air and the water and the soil and the ground and everything that it destroys creates mutants and genetic uh, mutations in human beings. Uh, that's off their second album. Uh, Rain and Blood is the most controversial, the fastest, heaviest 28 minutes you'll ever listen to in your life. Yeah. Uh, they decidedly slowed it down for South of Heaven. Uh, it was still a great record. It's, uh, so maybe South of Heaven is slower. Gets right into Silent Scream. That's as fast as anything as Rain and Blood. Ooh. Yeah. yeah. Seasons in the Abyss, if you go through that record, song for song, I mean, uh, you know, Expendable Youth about uh, gang warfare in the streets of L.A., when you talk about, they, they weren't just singing it from a book, I'm not saying they didn't read books, but they were talking about what was actually going on in the streets, uh, they definitely had an ear to the streets better, I think, than, than any of the other thrash metal bands, Jeff Henneman, my favorite thrash metal musician of all time. 
Uh, he wrote the lyrics to Raining Blood and Behind the Crooked Cross and he wrote Die by the Sword and Angel of Death and uh, musically wrote a bunch of stuff too. He wrote Blood Red and he wrote uh, Spirit and Black, at least the music. He wrote War Ensemble. It just goes on and on. Uh, talk about a tongue-in-cheek reference to war. Uh, sport the war. We need your war support. Um, they were definitely looked at as, uh, you know, oh, were you anti-American? That was during the first Iraq war. They go into the 90s, like, okay, Divine Intervention, uh, not my favorite record. It was okay. Diablos and Musica was good. They did an all punk covers album because Henneman was in a punk band called the, the Pap Smears. By the way, another Slayer tidbit. Uh, we got two minutes here. Another Slayer tidbit is uh, Kerry King was recruited by Dave Mustaine to <laughs> replace um, a guitar player. Actually, I think it was when it was first starting out. I think we're talking about 83, 84. Dave Mustaine had a horrible habit, and ironically, he tries to talk about it now. His revisionist history is a little off. He's like, oh, I'm not into poaching guitar players from other bands. Meanwhile, Every replacement he had for every guitar player was somebody from another band. Um, so anyway, Slayers, we go on like God hates when I came out. I was like, holy shit, this is heavy and fast and great. Still very good. You can go on to Christ Illusion, World Painted Blood, and it ends with Repentless in 2015. Again, it's nothing but top 40 records, gold albums, sold out stadiums, live aggression. In 1981, one of the greatest live records of all time, uh, fraught with controversy. Slayer is the, they have the best pretty much of everything. I, Tom Araya, ultimate heavy metal lead singer, doesn't get enough credit. The way that he growls and screams and sings, we can still hear every lyric just about is unprecedented. Henneman's songwriting, I look at Henneman, really is the lead guitar player. Kerry King is a little better at the rhythms. Uh, and then, of course, Dave Lombardo, my favorite heavy metal drummer of all time. Uh, praise the Slayer. They are the best thrash metal band of all time. Dirty, of course, has got Metallica. I would almost guarantee that that'd be a few, maybe there's a few more fans that would vote for Metallica. But, hey, you want to vote, please contact us. We can certainly uh, tell you guys what you think next time you do a, a podcast as far as what you had to say about this episode of who maybe we missed. Uh, or who you guys would throw in there. Shout out to DRI, Sacred Reich, Creator, yeah. uh, and, and there's other bands too. Anyway, any last uh, words, uh, Dirty, before we get out of here? No, this is great. Um, uh, it's exciting to hear about the listeners too, but no, this is great. This was uh, pretty good. This is hard though because it's like I kept forgetting bands and I'm like, oh shit. And so. <laughs> Um, yeah, hey, so everybody, stay tuned for Megadeth versus Metallica. We're going to do that. Yeah. We'll get to hear more stories about Metallica. You, uh, Dirty can go on about more about the Metallica Megadeth stories. We'll talk about right. concerts and stuff. Anyway, we've got to go. That's our time. Thank you very much, everybody. Right. Uh, thank thank you. you for listening. We'll talk to you last time, next time. And thrash on. Rock and roll.